Please pray with me this morning. Father God in heaven, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, my rock and my redeemer. I pray that only Jesus is seen today. We thank you and we allow your spirit in here. In Jesus' name, amen. When I was in Bible college, we had a really crazy schedule. Now, this, the, the crazy thing about this schedule was that we would study and we would work throughout the entire school year. So it, we would have three weeks of classes, and then we would have two weeks of work, which was kind of like a practicum to apply what we'd learned in those Bible classes. It wasn't just any kind of work. We would actually go door to door selling books to pay for our education and to spread the gospel. Man, that schedule. I, I lived in that schedule as a student for three years and then as a teacher. I'm sorry, as a student for two and a teacher for three. And boy, did it get old. I lived out of my car. That was like the most familiar home to me at that time. And I remember just like being so excited for every break that we would get because I could go to the only really familiar home to me that I had had since high school. And that was at my parents' house where I could just... Uh, really understand the statement of there's no place like home. There's no place like home. The first question that you will notice in your bulletins this morning, re recalibrate question number one. We're going to jump right into it. The question this morning is what is your definition of home? What is your definition of home? And I want you to really think about this. Maybe you'll think back to like your childhood home where you grew up, or maybe you'll think like, well, my home is really wherever my head and, and my pillow are, you know, like I can lay my head down to rest. What is your definition of home? You know, may, maybe you don't have a situation like I did where you move every three weeks. Thank God. Hopefully you don't have this situation. <laughs> maybe you don't have that kind of situation, but I'm sure that everyone here has had to transplant their lives at one point or another. According to a study that I saw on, um, online in an article in Grand Park here in Colorado, people are doing just that, this great migration. <laughs> it says, over the last few years, Colorado has experienced faster population growth than ever before. Can you natives relate with this article? You're like, geez, all these people. Where are you coming from? It says that the height of the boom happened between 2014 and 2015 when there were nearly 101,000 people who moved just to Colorado. From 2010 to 2015, Colorado was the second fastest growing state in the nation, and only North Dakota could boast population growth at a more rapid pace. <laughs> it's kind of funny to think about that. While growth has continued in the last couple years, it's slowed down a little bit. In 2016, just last year, it actually, Colorado became the seventh fastest growing state. But that still meant over 90,000 people coming to live here in Colorado. Now, for, for whatever reason or another, maybe it's a job or you know that this is a better place to raise your family or you're just like, you know, awesome. Colorado is just an awesome state. It's transplanting, it's moving from one spot to another, and people want to live here. You know, even healthy planned moves, like we had a healthy planned move, my husband and I and our two kids, like we're going, this is such an exciting thing, I know God is leading us there, but there was an immense amount of stress 
that still surrounded that immense amount of stress, even with a healthy change. And there was an uneasiness and confusion. I mean, when you walk into a new place, it's like, where do I belong? Where do I fit in? I mean, I'm, I'm new here. I'm not a native. Where do I fit in? You know, thankfully, in a volatile world that's constantly changing and, and things are moving and happening all the time, there's always one constant that we can count on. There's always one thing that we can count on. And then we begin to redefine home. Turn with me in your Bibles to page 551, if you have your pew Bible there. Psalm 90, verses 1 and 2. In your pew Bibles, page 551. What is that constant? It says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Just take a minute and let that sink in, okay? For those of you who have moved like tons of times in your life, it's like, oh, God has been our home since the beginning of time. He's like, no matter the changes that occur in your life or the things that you go through, I am a constant. I am home. God has always been that dwelling place. And what kind of home does he want to be to us? What kind of dwelling place does God want to be to us? Turn just the page over. It's um, 551, 552, Psalm 91, okay? Psalm 91, this is one of my favorite passages. And I would actually um, say, commit it to memory. Commit it to memory. This is a beautiful passage. It says in verses 1 and 2, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge, my fortress, my God in whom I trust. I want you to think about that for a minute. I mean, look at the towering trees that are out here. Have you ever been hiking on a Sabbath afternoon when it is blistering hot? See, I grew up in Central California and it got really, really hot. And every time there was a tree, we'd be like running for the shade. Like, oh, thank God there's a place where we can find something cool. That little haven of the trees. Jesus, God himself, he says, I am that kind of shelter. I am a refuge and fortress. Jump down to verse 4 in Psalm 91. I love this imagery. It says, he will cover you with his pinions and under his wings will you find refuge, or you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. God is that kind of protective covering to us. So we see a, he's a refuge in that he's a shelter to us, right? He's also a refuge in that he covers us and protects us. He shields us. Jump down to verse 9 and 10. Verses 9 and 10. It says, as a result, because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague will come near your tent. When we allow God to be our home, he actually says, 
I will cover you. I will protect you. I will not allow harm to come to your home. There's a lot of crazy things going on in the world today. I think all more, than, more now than ever do we need Christ as our refuge, amen? It says here, refuge, three times in Psalm 91. I don't think that's a mistake. God is our refuge. Jesus is our refuge. The Holy Spirit is our refuge. Refuge, he's our shelter. He's our strength and covering. With floods and earthquakes and fires raging, there are masses of people who need that refuge and shelter right now. They need a literal home, don't they? There's so many crazy things happening in our world today, and there's a lot of questions. But Christ wants to offer hope in the midst of chaos and displacement. And this is where you and I come in. This is the simplicity of the Christian walk. It's this idea of connection. One of the key verses we read was John chapter 14 and verse 23. You can go back there in your Bible to look at it again. Patty read it so beautifully. Page number 998 in your pew Bibles. Page 998 in your pew Bibles. It says, Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him. And here's the crux of it all. We will come to him and make our home with him. God is that personal. He's not like, okay, guys, come up to me. I'm here. I'll be your home. God is so personal. He's like, I want to come and make my home in you. Isn't that beautiful? God says, I want you to be my home. What happens when we allow Christ into our hearts to make his home in us? we in turn can be a home to others it's this beautiful circle of connection we clasp hands with christ we connect with christ and then we're able to connect with others and they can connect back with him too that is the beauty of the gospel jesus came to make that possible this beautiful connection that can happen John 14, verse 6 even, is a popular verse that um, we can remember. It says, Jesus, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So there again is that beautiful connection. He wants to make a home in you. Colossians chapter 1 talks a lot about what that means. When we allow Christ to dwell in us. It says, it actually says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. In verse 20, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Did you know that when you allow Christ to live in you, for you to allow him to be your home and him, you to be his home and all this beautiful connection, that we are a hope to other people who are hopeless. We can be that home to others when they feel no hope. I was thinking about this relationship, like the ecosystem right outside this church door. Everything has to work together. If the sun was suddenly taken away, what would happen to the plants and the animals and the trees? It would die, right? So Christ, God, there are sun giving us nurture and warmth. 
and helping us to grow like the plants that are outside. And the plants feed the animals. The animals fertilize the ground. The ground makes more plants. The plants need the sun and so on and so forth. And it keeps going and going. And we see the beauty of God's character right outside that front door. So it is here. When we allow Christ to be our home, we can be a home to others, thus connecting them back to God. I have a friend who's, she's a pretty amazing woman. She was one of my teachers when I went to massage school. And she has this wonderful ministry of wanting to go and do and be whatever God wants her to go and do and be. And her kids have finally just finished up school, so she's, she's actually like, okay, God, what do you want? I, I'm on my own. Where do you want me to go? So my friend, her name's Lori. She decided to go on a mission trip to Lebanon, a pretty intense place during these times, I'd say. And she, she visited a missionary couple who've lived there for over 10 years and stayed in the areas around them. And because she, her field is in natural, natural health and massage, she went to a clinic that they had there. And it was kind of like what we call a tent-making thing, right? It's just like uh, a, a way to be able to reach people through something practical, to be able to reach the, touch the hand before reaching the heart. And so she goes to Lebanon and she experiences, you know, what it's like to work in this spa and to help these people. And this is in the, the city or the major city of Beirut. She's like, man, there were so many different kinds of people. It was just, just always just, you never knew what to expect. It was just crazy. <laughs> And so as she's traveling with her missionary friends, and they're kind of like going along more of the outskirts toward the, um, the Adventist University in the area, she notices something. She's like, who are all these people? These people, they're like, oh, those, those are the Syrian refugees. They're everywhere. They're just everywhere here. And she's just like, well, what are you guys doing about it? Like, what's, what's going on? Like, are you guys helping them? And he's like, well, they're kind of a nuisance, actually, because there's so many of them. We don't know what to do. I mean, it's just, there's, and she's just like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> and she's like, at that very moment, God was like, sell everything you have and come move to Lebanon. Sell everything and minister to these people. And she's like, okay, God. It took about a year and a half, two years to get everything settled and she, she got her house settled, and uh, she has one more kid who is still in school, and she said, Mom, I'll go with you. They have a good school over there. I'll go with you. We'll do ministry together. Okay. There's people in need. There's people who long for a home. We can't necessarily provide them a physical home, but we can be a home to them and connect them to Jesus. We can be a kind spirit where people are rude and angry and want them to go away. We can invite them in and feed them. We can heal their hurts and wounds and be their friends. This is home. So she just went this last summer, sold everything, and moved there. And God is opening up doors like you wouldn't believe. How can you and I be a home? Going back to that Isaiah 61, there's so many things about these, this text that just jump out and it's like, here's home, here you are, this is what I want you to be. Isaiah chapter 61, and I'm actually going to read through verse 4. 
And it's, it says, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. If you want to follow along, it's page 692 in your pew Bibles. So the Spirit of the Lord God is upon Isaiah. And I want you to take this and say, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon, fill in the blank with your name. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon you and me. Because the Lord has anointed you and me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of the faint spirit, I'm sorry, instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called what? Oaks of righteousness. That they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. I don't think it was any mistake that he used an oak tree. He's like, I, I want you to be all these things to these people, and you're an oak, and you're a cypress. No, he says, I, you are an oak of righteousness. And so I was looking up a lot of things about oak trees, and it's kind of cool. You guys may know some of these facts already, but they are actually considered one of the best shade trees and produce fruit in the form of acorns. Obviously, oak tree and acorn. They reach a mature height of 50 to 70 feet, and the trees are generally free from pests and disease. Oak trees are hardy trees with a very long lives and can live to 200 years or even more. If you were able to read one of the daily walks, there was actually a thousand-year-old oak tree that stood during Hurricane Harvey. A thousand-year-old oak tree, and it stood amongst the crazy winds of that hurricane. More than 600 species of oak trees exist throughout the world. Each type of oak has specific distinguishing factors, including leaves of different shapes, barks of various textures, and leaves that produce different colors during autumn, which we can see all over the place and enjoy. Oh, man. So here, you and I, we are that. We are oaks of righteousness. It says that when we, heal, when we go and we accept this call, we can also be oaks of righteousness. You and I have the ability to provide shelter or shade to people in need. We can provide food to those who are tired and hungry. We can keep on growing in various circumstances. Those oak trees could grow and stay standing in a hurricane. God is like, that's you. When you are connected to your Savior, he will give you the ability to stand in any kind of circumstance and grow in it. Not only that, but we can live lives that are fulfilling and healthy. We can bask in the beauty of our differences. Amen? 
Isn't that beautiful? God's like, here, I'm not just going to create one mold. I'm going to like, everybody, all these beautiful differences we can enjoy in one another, which can provide vibrant colors for all to see. Looking back at verse 4 in Isaiah 61, it also says that we as oaks, we as these powerful trees can help rebuild ones that have been broken. What is a house made out of? Usually trees, right? Wood. It's no mistake that God calls you an oak of righteousness. A lot of cabins actually up in the hills here, I found out the oldest cabins, oldest log cabins are actually usually made out of oak trees because they last the longest. God wants to use you and I to mend the brokenness, to mend the ruined places so that we can be able to find a safe place or refuge for people all around. At the core of every human being, really, we crave relationship, don't we? We crave connection. And when that is ruined in any way, it's hard to rebuild trust. It's hard to be rebuilding a place when you feel like you don't want anybody to come near you. But God, in his beautiful divine sacrifice and love of giving us Jesus, he says, I can show you how to rebuild again in your life. Sharing that kind of love with people is just kind of like my friend Lori in that story. Just being friendly. That's part of restoring something that's, you know, people might be scared to come to church because they've never had anyone actually say hello. They walk in the door, they sit down in the back, and they're like, oh, I'm really nervous to be here. How about you break that ruined cycle that they've had in the past of never anybody saying hi to them and go up and be like, hi, I'm so-and-so. It's so nice to meet you. Restoring the broken places is as simple as just being friendly, sharing a smile, a handshake, a hug, opening your home, asking someone to eat lunch with you. All these things are being that oak of righteousness. All these things are repairing that which has been broken. All these things are you being a home, a safe place for other people to come to. My last and final question this morning is how can you be that home to others? How can you be that home to people? When our refuge and home is in Christ, we can be that home to others. I tell you what, I've tried make being home to someone without being connected to Christ, and it doesn't work very easily. That connection is vital. Start with your relationship with Jesus. Allow him to make you his home so that you can be a home to other people. You know, thankfully, when it comes to home, I'm really glad that I don't have to move every few weeks anymore. That's a beautiful thing. But the thing about moving every few weeks um, also means, unfortunately, I can't fit everything into those two suitcases anymore. <laughs> I'm hoping that I can get back there. But we finally found this place where we're starting to settle into a community. And I realize in this search for an actual home that's a building for my family, that my home is not in that building. My home is the people that are in it. 
My home is here with you. You and I make up the home. People make up the home, not the place. God created us to be those people who can build and restore relationships or make our own home with people. He wants to be with us, to live with us. And when we allow him to live in us, he will allow us to be a shelter or a refuge to others. It's that simple. The closing verse that um, was running through my head over and over was Psalm chapter 27 and verse 4. And this complete picture of restoration. God says, I mean, guys, we're not here to be on earth. We're here to be restored to Jesus. This is just a stopping ground, I just want you to know. We're just kind of like renting here. We're just kind of passing through. (laughs) Psalm 27 verse 4 says, One thing that I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire or meditate in his temple. Our ultimate goal, you guys, is to join our homes together with Christ in heaven so that no longer do we have this separation or these feelings of pain or or frustrations, but we can finally be united with Christ and the people who we've been able to connect with who've made their home in us and us in them and them in Christ in one place in in God's presence in heaven. Will you join me there and make yourself connected to Christ and be a home to others today.